0: Hi, I'm Ron Coleman, a partner in the Dillon Law Group, social media legend, and free speech enthusiast. When I started the Coleman Nation podcast in the spring of 2021, its focus was on free expression and censorship on the internet. But as important as that subject is to me, which is very important, I felt hemmed in in the podcast. I wanted to spend more time talking to the interesting people I've met in my legal and free speech work without feeling a need to have them all make the same point. So I culminated the first series of the podcast and have started the second series. I hope you'll enjoy these conversations as much as I have recording them. Hello, culminators. I've got a very, very interesting guest today, Father Sean Clough. He has got an extraordinary story to tell. And it's a story that involves quite a bit of bravery that I don't think he necessarily realized he was uh in for that 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 would be called that he would be called on to deliver and as much as i have become familiar with the story and as much as i'm sure that he's uh got a very concise and elegant way of of telling it he's told it hundreds and hundreds of times by now um there's a fantastic video that tells the story so i'm going to ask you to indulge me for a couple minutes we'll watch it together and then uh We'll start our our, our little chat.
1: I'm not a criminal. I'm a son. I'm a friend. I'm a priest. Free speech and even free thought are under pressure like never before. I never imagined I could be considered a criminal for praying silently near an abortion facility. My prayer was for free speech. I made this really clear. I didn't think I was breaking any rules because free speech and thought is protected in domestic and international law. And yet, for praying in silence, I allegedly ran afoul of a local censorship zone and was charged as a criminal.
2: Everyone should have the freedom to pray in their mind. And it's wrong for authorities to censor peaceful information sharing and peaceful speech in the streets. But currently Parliament is debating a bill that would roll out so-called buffer zones, more accurately called censorship zones, around abortion facilities nationwide. Let's be really clear, we all stand against harassment outside abortion facilities, but this law would go so much further than banning harassment, which is already illegal. It means that we could see people in prison for praying or for offering information to women who would like an alternative to abortion.
1: I was interrogated by officers at a police station about the content of my prayers and subsequently criminally charged. I was also charged for having a small bumper sticker reading Unborn Lives Matter on my car, which was parked inside the zone. I had the sticker long before the censorship zone existed.
2: Though charges were dropped after several weeks, the prosecution has made clear that charges could be reinstated at any time. This is an example of how the process is the punishment, creating a chilling effect on thought and speech in the United Kingdom. Father Sean has stated his intention to clear his name by pursuing a verdict in court. We at ADF UK are committed to supporting Father Sean. No one should fear prosecution for expressing peaceful beliefs.
1: Abortion is an issue that means a lot to me because my mum made a bold choice for life when I was a baby. I was conceived in the context of severe violence, and she found the grace and strength to fight for us both. Whatever your views are on abortion, we should all agree that a democratic country cannot be in the business of prosecuting thought crimes. I'm not a criminal. I'm a son. I'm a friend. I'm a priest. I'm someone who believes in the right to pray. But I've been censored.
0: Unbelievable! What a what a powerful powerful video, Father Sean. You're on great. Thank you for joining us. Uh, you uh, of course proceeded with a trial or with with what might have been a trial, which was a. Your option, right? You know, because the Crown Prosecutor had left open the possibility of of reinstating the charges.
1: That's right. Yeah. So um my trial was just a few days ago. But yeah, as you say, the Crown Prosecution Service dropped the charges, but in the letter where they did so, they actually said quite explicitly that at any date in the future they could bring them back again. And firstly, I you know, I never thought at any point that I was. Um, breaking the law to be honest um it shouldn't be possible to break the law by thinking thoughts in your own head by praying silently so I also wanted to clear my name like there's a certain suspicion that comes upon you when you've been charged even if the charges were dropped and I didn't like that idea of that suspicion uh sticking around uh with me either so uh yeah so I decided to pursue those uh to take the trial, continue the trial. Let's say, yeah.
0: Well, I mean, you're 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 a Catholic priest. I mean, people who are applying for jobs as in banks, you know, or or, or you know, I mean, I, it's hard for me to imagine that suspicion really following you through life in any me- meaningful way. But it's not. I get your point. It's
1: not suspicion in the sense that I think it would have held me back in life.
0: It's it's
1: more of a, it's a suspicion in the sense of, um, you know, You're a good citizen. You want to, yeah, I want, I I haven't done anything wrong. I stood and said prayers and I don't like the idea that, um, the the, the police or, or even, um, Birmingham city council could, um, suggest that that's a criminal activity when, um, we don't have a first amendment in the UK, but we do have the European Convention on Human Rights, and um, I really can't poss- imagine that what I was doing could could be found and to be in contravention of the of the law as a result of that.
0: So, is it fair that I guess correctly that when you went out to 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 m- say the silent prayer, that you were not going into a situation where you said, I'm I'm going to make this statement, I'm going to get myself arrested, I'm going to make a stand. Rather nope. you just did it, and nope. then all of a sudden here come the cops.
1: No, uh, abortion is an issue I've been passionate about for a very long time. Um, so I've been praying outside of abortion clinics for 10 years now or so. Um, never previously had any issues or any incidents. But then the Birmingham City Council introduced um, this censorship zone around the ab- around the abortion clinic, which means... And, and what, what it uh, bans or prohibits is really expansive. So it says um, it prohibits any... Act, well, pro- what it calls protest, but then it goes on to define it as any act of approval or disapproval of abortion, including but not limited to various other things that might be like you might traditionally think of as protesting but then it goes on to list things like sim- simply praying so it's just a completely um expansive understanding of what a protest is not that you should be banning protest anywhere on a public street but um but even if you were going to you can't, uh, lumping prayer in with it um is is not good so but yes uh one of these incidents actually you were saying about you know were you going there for To kind of seek this out or to make it happen uh one of these incidents i was actually going the only reason i went there was to um was was to park my car i parked my car because i was going to pray outside of the censorship zone where the where the prayer vigil was now taking place because of the censorship zone i was going to pray outside of it but i'd parked my car inside of it down the road from the abortion clinic and somebody took
0: a photo of it but you didn't know about the existence of the zone yet, right? You, you weren't aware of the law. Well, I was aware it existed, but my but the thing
1: oh. is my car's got a bumper sticker on it.
0: Right. And yeah. the
1: bumper sticker says unborn lives matter. And that was what one of the charges related to. Not even wasn't even praying in the area. It was uh just simply because I parked my car and that bumper sticker was on there.
0: All right, but but so that you but what by the time the incident occurred when you were arrested, yeah. you were aware of the resolution that, that had been passed by the Birmingham oh, city yes. council yes 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 Absolutely. was it your activity that was the spur for them to introduce that or was it a group of, uh, of a group of people
1: um well the not me personally but the the kind of pro life community that i'm a part of 40 days for life um i think a lot of local the, the nature of the area where the abortion clinic is a lot of the local residents weren't very happy we have an 8 hour uh prayer vigil for 40 days uh twice a year so 80 days of eight hours of prayer and it's all it's all very very peaceful we've um offered help to loads of women who've been in crisis pregnancies and wanted to continue with their pregnancy um never had any issues previously with the police not from us anyway there has been some actual harassment and intimidation where the police have had to get involved to stop People who were against us, but there's never been any issues from us. But yeah, I suppose it was in response to our presence that the Birmingham City Council implemented this, uh, what it's called, it's a public space protection order. And it's important to clarify as well, it doesn't block certain people from entering that area. What it does, a public space protection order, is it stops certain activities within that area. So for example, you know, you can have them to say you're not allowed to take your dog off the lead in this area. There was a big problem with that, for example. So the idea of a public space protection order is not that bad in and of itself. And they were there to kind of stop certain types of antisocial behavior and so on. But they it's just this kind of overreach now where, where it's been used even to curtail uh, free speech and to censor certain viewpoints as well.
0: So you went ahead with this with this opportunity for a trial and evidently the, the, the crown prosecutor <laughs> had nothing to say.
1: Yeah. They offered no evidence. And then the judge, uh, therefore very quickly, uh, said, I was not found, not guilty. Therefore,
0: but the judge didn't make any kind of, you know, looking at some of the reports of the, of the, of these proceedings, mm. you might get the impression that the judge made a some kind of substantive ruling saying, you know, invalidating the order or no, making some no, kind
1: of. No. I don't know how it works in the United States, but here in the UK, anyway, we have magistrates' courts, which are like the lowest level of court. Sure. And yeah. they when they make a judgment. So it was a judge. We have magistrates and judges within the court. Mm-hmm. Um, but whether it's a judge or a magistrate, if it's in a magi- if it, if your sentence is given in a magistrate's court, it doesn't set precedent. It has right. to be in a court. In order yeah. to set a precedent, so a higher court could um, potentially do that, I suppose, or, or at least set a precedent which effectively invalidated it.
0: Right, and I. I, I it, so as it stands, it's important, I think, for people to understand that this ordinance of the Birmingham City Council is still in place, and they, if they, if if there were enough will and enough perhaps political pressure from those with an interest. In doing so, they can arrest you next time you did it. I'm
1: not so sure about that one. Actually, I think that I personally might not be able to be, given that I've been found not guilty already. It'll be very difficult for them to then press the same. Well, you were found,
0: well. you were found not guilty for because of a lack of evidence with respect to the specific incidents that were charged. But I think incidents- the
1: judge may ask, what extra evidence do you have this time that you didn't have already? <laughs> because they had all the evidence they had photographs they had uh me uh doing an interview under caution in front of the police where i quite clearly told them um yeah i was praying and this is what i was praying about and these these were exact it was quite bizarre because they were interrogating me about what the thoughts i was having was like what were you praying about were you praying for forgiveness and all of this sort of stuff well this and, was
0: one of the questions i wanted to ask you
1: yeah so it is one of the uh, things
0: that troubled me every time i watch this video is that you have been at pains to say that you were praying for free speech, and it bothers me that you should have had to identify what you were praying for. Is it was it suggested to you? And I don't want you to in any way uh, reveal any cl- attorney-client confidences. But it, w- was it better for you to say that? Praying for free speech was a better move. First of all, I'm assuming that you only testified truthfully. So that if you say you were praying for free speech, that, that's the truth. But yeah. if you had been praying yeah. for God's grace
1: yeah.
0: uh, to result in a decision by the people in that clinic not to have abortions, yeah, do you think that would have affected the outcome?
1: Uh, absolutely not. No, because oh, cool. uh, there was me and there was Isabel at the same time. I think you may have heard about Isabel. She was another yes. person in a similar situation in the same area, and um, yeah. So, but, and she was actually arrested. I'd just like to clarify: I was never arrested. I was threatened with arrest. I was uh, taken to a police interview, which was done under caution, and I was then charged with four ac- four counts. On one of those occasions, I was there to pray for freedom of speech which Is when I was holding the sign which said praying for freedom of speech. However, on the other two occasions, where which involves silent prayer, because one of them was just to do with me parking my car, but on the other two occasions, you I see, was in, there.
0: in my part of the country or in the US, we pray for a place to park your car. <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
1: so maybe I was in breach of it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and then those other two occasions, I was praying that the Lord would you know, give give his blessing to people to touch people's hearts, local residents, the staff who work in the clinic, and the people who use the services of the clinic. So, so I was and I told the police that that's exactly what I was doing. So they couldn't have had any more evidence that um, I was there and I was praying and it was related to abortion. Um, so,
0: you know, it's yeah. kind of ironic as I'm listening to you. It's almost as if the people who inserted the provisions about prayer into the ordinance are testifying to their belief in the efficacy of prayer
1: it's interesting isn't it
0: because and and i think the response to that would be no what we don't want is people saying they're praying as a pretext for harassing people or for intimidating people but that actually wouldn't prohibit praying that would prohibit the pretextual In other words, if if you can prove that it was a pretext and I was just there to intimidate people, then prove that I was there to intimidate people. But to actually prohibit prayer, do do you have any sense of, I mean, am am I guessing right that you described to me the way the the statute was, or the ordinance seemed to have maybe started out with a rather neutral uh, purpose, and then perhaps somebody thought it would be a clever idea to to deal with the prayer vigils while they were at it you know
1: the so public space protection orders bear a kind of a framework a legal framework which the uk parliament has given to local councils to deal with specific problem behaviors within their area yeah and at first for many years they were just being used for reasonable uh, things you know as I say it gave examples of things like you can't take your dog off the lead here or you can't drink alcohol on this particular street or that kind of thing just about controlling certain behaviors in public spaces um but it's only it's only recently yeah that people have decided this and what they say what they say is that um prayer is being weaponized that's the phrase that people are genuinely using that prayer is being weaponized in order to um stop women from making their own choice with their own body um i mean nothing could be further from the truth i mean i suppose we're in a spiritual battle and prayer is a weapon in that sense and in the, in the battle against the flesh and the world and the evil one however um no prayer isn't being weaponized what's happening um is that so for example myself i mean i, I spend a huge amount of time in my ministry supporting women who've and men who've suffered from the impact of abortion trauma and grief. And, you know, there's nothing I would want less than to cause a nuisance or a problem to anybody or to be judgmental to anybody. And I know Isabel, who was arrested for standing on the street silently praying, she's helped so many women in crisis pregnancies to continue with their pregnancies when they've wanted to. So, you know, what they've got to be afraid of, I don't know. And maybe just one final thing, you know, Nobody, as far as I'm aware, I could be wrong on this because there's no kind of book you can refer to, but I'm not aware of a single case in the United Kingdom, certainly not in recent times, where somebody has actually been arrested and prosecuted for either harassment or intimidation, which are already crimes across the country. And I don't know of a single case um, where that's been the case in the United Kingdom. So somehow they've made this idea that that this is a co- common occurrence, that harassment and intimidation are current, common occurrences and that these public space protection orders are necessary in order to stop it from taking place. But there's no evidence. And in fact, there's evidence to the contrary. The government just a couple of years ago did a review um, of this particular issue because it was requested to. And when they did that review, that, that in, and obviously independent and not exactly uh, pro-life, and their review said that um, buffer zones would be unnecessary. Why? Because they said that there was um, minimal problems taking place outside of it and that the um, prayer vigils are largely just peaceful and silent prayer and people who offer help to help to women. So there's just no evidence that this is actually um, re- in response to any kind of problem.
0: And yet there is now a bill before Parliament
1: Yeah, yeah. This is really really worrying, actually. Um, So, um, there's a bill currently going through Parliament, the Public Order Bill, and that has an amendment added to it by the opposition party, but supported by quite a lot of MPs, actually. And that amendment um, is all about establishing uh, these censorship zones around abortion clinics nationwide. And these Public Space Protection Orders as ridiculous as they are to be criminalizing people for their thoughts, the penalties that they can give are pretty low level, to be honest, Um, very small fines. Um, If this bill goes through parliament in its current form with with Amendment 9 as it is, we're gonna see people being put in prison for their thoughts, people being put in prison for months because of their silent prayers. So it's really, really worrying and concerning
0: do you think your you know the experience that you had and in the involvement of uh it's alliance defending freedom right mm. um they've obviously been publicizing this because they want people to be aware of the issue and to be aware of their work do you think that's in, in any way helping to galvanize opposition to this to this bill please
1: god i mean there has been a lot of publicity and i think i suppose there's always a kind of, you know, people offer warnings, don't they? You know, you know, you need to be careful doing that because this could happen. And people say, oh, no, that would never happen. You're just scaremongering. And I suppose the fact that me and Isabel and somebody else uh, down in the south of England were all um, charged and Isabel was arrested and um, all of this. And the kind of the publicity has woken people up to realise actually, no, if you don't take freedom of speech, if you don't take freedom of religion seriously, and especially when it comes to uh, when you're passing laws, if you don't take it seriously when you're passing laws, then the consequences really will <laughs> be borne out in the real world. You really will criminalize people for their thoughts, for their peaceful words, for their fight for human rights. You will criminalize people for these activities.
0: Well, you know, this language that you quoted of weaponizing prayer is something that um, we hear here on, in the U.S., from what have been traditional civil rights uh, advocates like the American Civil Liberties Union, Mm. which has described the freedom of religion in the US as having been weaponized to uh, rationalize the deprivation of new and improved rights for all kinds of people and all kinds of statuses that people want to assume for themselves. You in the UK, I mean, I think it's fair to say, are actually way ahead of the US in terms of anti-clericalism. This is a very old problem in the UK. And also, you're you're a Catholic priest, uh, Mm. which, you know, historically, certainly for the last 500 years, has not been the most comfortable thing in the world to be in the UK. Although it's probably better now than it was 100 years (laughs) ago, because... You know, there, Is that there isn't that Protestant a, that, that Protestant anger that there was back when people did go to church. Yeah. But wouldn't you agree that, that the the mere idea that this sort of thing could be introduced in Parliament, whether there's a first, I mean, I think in the U.S., even without a First Amendment, there's still such, not among the elites, but still among the rank and file, among what we call flyover country, uh, so much regard for organized religion that it would be unthinkable for a national statute or even a state level statute. Mm. But it's, you know, you, there's a real fall off in, in respect for religion in the UK in the last few generations. Yeah. Do you think that activism on the pro life front? helps or hinders that phenomenon? Either one?
1: It's very difficult to say because I don't think there's any uh, evidence particularly either way. But uh, what I would say is, I think that the pro- being pro-life is so clearly grounded in just the natural law. It's just, it's so obviously, maybe obviously is the right word, but it's 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 so reasonable to say that every single human being has equal dignity and that our dignity as human beings doesn't depend on any circumstances. It's inherent to who we are. It's so reasonable to say that it's always wrong to kill an innocent human being. It's so reasonable that, and to say that um, life begins at conception because that's what science says. The fact that the church has been the only voice for the unborn in our society when they've been so vulnerable, so voiceless at this time and so discriminated against, I actually think in the long term, that's going to be a great help to the, the church because <clears throat> one day people will look back at this great evil, calling it what it is, of a, m- abortion on a mass scale and abortion being legal and promoted by the state. And they will look back and they will say, well, who was the voice that spoke out against this? And it, it will be Christians. It will be the, the church. It will be the Catholic Church, who stood up and said, said no, even when it was unpopular, even when it lost its self friends for it.
0: Well, that's right, and and, and and I mean, ultimately, that's the answer I was hoping you would, which, which we would say, which is that for all I don't know what the short term marketing effect of it is, but doing the right thing
1: exactly. is
0: always going to be the right yeah. thing. That's
1: a very good, yeah. You
0: put it much more succinctly than I did. Well, <laughs> I, that's my business. <laughs> <laughs> but we do have a we have an expression that you never you, you know listen Jewish people being a minority uh you know in, in our society sometimes you have to make some very hard choices mm. but we always say in my family you never lose out by doing the right things but that, right. you know I if like god that. made it this way that you can't go to work on a certain day and some opportunity is going to be lost yeah like you're not yeah. god's not going to punish you for that you're only going to benefit even though it seems like like a like a short term loss amen are the majority of the people involved in this in this group Catholics?
1: 40 days for life. Uh yeah, the yeah. majority are Catholics, but it is open to any Christian. Yeah.
0: 40 days for life. Yeah. What's the origin of the 40 days illusion?
1: Uh 40 days biblical number. Um, and Jesus fasted in the desert for 40 days. Uh obviously... Um, I mean, they're
0: Right, there are many periods of 40 many, many days. Biblical
1: allusions. So it's a vigil for 40 days. Vigils, because, okay. Yeah, it's biblical significance. So um, so we just have that, yeah.
0: Um. Church of England, not too helpful on this. Is that correct? Uh,
1: the Church of England's position on abortion is not as clear as the Catholic Church's, although at the moment um, it does still teach more or less that abortion is wrong um but uh i think that the thing is it's not so much about what they technically believe and what they technically teach but it's perhaps more so what's practiced on the ground so um you wouldn't really hear anything ever being said about it well, for example and the archbishop of canterbury actually was on the tv uh, a few years ago and uh, he's the head of the Church of England. Um, well, the, the king is the head of the Church of England, actually, but he's the bishop head of the Church of England. And he was uh, on the TV, and he was actually quoted as saying on on TV um, that he supports these censorship zones around abortion clinics. Um, so, yeah, I think they've. But that I, ha- I said I want to um, caveat that with I was at Forty Days for Life today. Today's Ash Wednesday, the first day of Lent, the first day of our Forty Days of Lent, and. Um, and the shift before me there was an anglican priest there praying for for that hour so um i should really take all of that back
0: (laughs) (laughs) well I, i understand that on matters of doctrine and on matters of catholicism the church of england's clarity is not always its strongest suit so you could be forgiven for reacting to the to the vagueness but this this is fundamentally a a catholic movement you know in the united states Historically, the church has been on the front lines of uh, uh, of the the pro-life movement, and of course, evangelicals have been alongside with them. We have a problem here, which is that there are a lot of of prominent Catholic politicians in the U.S., and there has been a lot of controversy about their ability to receive the sacrament, notwithstanding the fact that they are by virtue of overwhelmingly being democrats pro-abortion uh it seems that that's probably less of a problem in the uk
1: i think it's a problem in every country where there's where you've got um catholic politicians um it's not a clear-cut case exactly how supportive or not do you have to be um in order to uh for the church to start implementing certain laws around who can and can't receive holy communion. Um it's not not necessarily one for me to comment on either. I think it's up to the bishops No, and that, I don't you know, want to you
0: know, I'm not trying to trek you into uh, it. No, uh, we trap you
1: there. Those particular places really need to be the the arbiters um of, of those decisions, uh, always seeking to try and you know just be faithful to um what the church is expecting of them as as those judges.
0: So now that you've had this experience, and to some extent, you've sort of made it part of your ministry by talking about it and using it as a way to draw attention to both the abortion issue and the freedom of conscience issue, which I think we can, you know, we we, we can include both the freedom of speech and the freedom of religion aspect of it. Is there anything else that this experience has done to affect your vocation?
1: That's a brilliant question, yeah. My yeah. vocation as a priest, I think it's helped me to realise um, that as a priest um, in the Catholic Church, we're ordained. It's kind of true of being baptised as well, but it's tr- especially true. When you're ordained as a priest, you're ordained as priest, as prophet, and as king. Uh, so king meaning govern the governing role that you exercise within the church. Um, priest mean the sanctifying role that you exercise within the church making holy and prophet being that role of teaching now of course that's obvious in the sense of teaching from the pulpit uh teaching you know about jesus christ and um and his his ministry but it's kind of helped me to realize and um about that prophetic role that we also have in society as well you know and to stand up for against injustice and to stand up for what's right, even if it makes you unpopular, even if it um, is difficult, you know, to, so it's kind of given me a greater appreciation. I'll put it that way of that prophetic role.
0: No. And I think that has, I mean, that is one of the greatest legacies of the Catholic church and one that Catholics in England have a particular fondness and acute connection to because of the history of uh, of of the church in england
1: absolutely yeah so a lot of people have been commenting on it actually when they've heard the story they've been saying it feels quite scary to them because it's reminding them of not of something in living memory but of those stories that they hear of catholic persecution in the past which was so severe in this country i mean it was really awful and um i think for a lot of catholics it's scary to hear of um us being targeted again as a result of um, our faith and living our faith in the public space, um, just because nobody wants to go, no group who's been persecuted um, wants to go back to that place. And even a small step in that direction, you know, you don't. Yes, yeah, so I know
0: in, very. I know very place. well. <laughs> yeah.
1: So yeah. So it is. It is actually scary. I mean, I'm not saying we're there yet. Where you know, of course, we're not. That would be a hyperbole. But, but it is. But it is. It is scary to just start going in that direction.
0: And of course, you all I mean, I think every anyone who's ever had an encounter with the police, and whether you were formally arrested or merely questioned, or the term you use is under caution, which I guess in the US the equivalent would be um and that you had you were subject to the warning that we call the Miranda warning. Yes, that you have okay. the right to remain silent yeah. and that anything you say could be held against you. Yeah. That's um point. That I think is a transformative experience for most people, and certainly, you know, if I assume you, based on what you, you've said before about having a clean record, I assume that you're not someone who's been arrested a bunch of times
1: before. <laughs> no, that was a first for
0: me. <laughs> so you know that that's pretty intimidating. Did they take it? They took it down to the station in a you know in a black and white.
1: Well, I wasn't personally arrested, but oh, I went. Oh, You were not arrested, and in the fact, was, they just gave you an appearance ticket. I would, no, I was. I was threatened with arrests. So they basically they sent right. me a letter saying you've got to come to the police station on this day for a voluntary interview, and if you don't come, we'll arrest you. So it right. wasn't it wasn't voluntary at all, and I didn't want um, you know a police car arriving. At, um, the presbytery which is next door to the church arresting me halfway through the service so I thought it's better to it's better to go and uh, do it for that reason so well, that uh,
0: testifies to your pure motives actually because if you really had if you wanted to be a press star that's yeah. exactly what you would have had done mm. and make them drag ki- uh, you kicking and screaming and and, yeah. and 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 call a news conference for when they come to pick you up
1: but the process I think is the punishment in this case so even though I was found not guilty thank god um and rightly so but the fact is these charges should never have been pressed in the first place I should never have been interviewed or interrogated by the police in the first place for silently praying on the public streets and the very fact that you can be subject to this process it's really a, almost like a state form of harassment you know that's what they claim to be protecting you against uh pro- protecting other people against from you but in reality it's that's what they give to you you know they threaten you with arrest they interrogate you they question you on the thoughts that you're having what prayers you're saying oh and
0: that's the thing that just keeps coming you back trial, to me. i mean you know you 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 said to me in response to my earlier question that whether i would have been praying at that moment for, for an end to abortion or for ch- people to change their minds or for or, or for free speech it shouldn't have made a difference but it, it seemed to have made a difference to the police who were interrogating you. Yeah, they were I, convinced by it. They were really, I, they, I mean, I don't. Um, what if you would have said, I was praying that that every policeman's uh, helmet would blow up? Uh, <laughs> I, 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 would that, have, that would, would have justified them hauling you in for questioning? I don't know. I, I, it, I, I, I came
1: out of that interview thinking,
0: did that really just
1: happen? Because I was questioned on. Um, why I was wearing certain religious clothing. So I was wearing a a cassock on one occasion and they were questioning me about, you know, when do I normally wear a cassock and all all of this kind of stuff, as though that was any relevance to whether or not a crime had been committed. They were questioning me on my contents of my thoughts, whether I was, um, you know, praying for forgiveness for people and why people would need my prayers and that sort of thing. They were also questioning me on theology. I got asked, What's a blessing? What's grace in this interview? An hour of being interrogated. It was the most bizarre experience ever. You
0: think they were, they were wondering whether you were legitimately a priest, whether you were just, oh, they some knew kind of
1: I, I think they, there was no doubt I was a priest. I, I wouldn't know. think so. I don't know what they were. I think they were scraping the barrel to look for things. I don't, I'm not really sure, but.
0: Well, I would love to know the answer to these questions. Maybe I'll talk to your lawyers. <laughs> You're that wearing. is really, but why were you wearing a cassock? That's not every day. We, we, that's not. That's not. Not something. every
1: priest wears a cassock every day. I don't wear. No, a cassock I didn't think. You'd, I'm I not wearing so. one else. But I frequently do, actually. Not oh, every it's day. Great, it's a great every look.
0: look.
1: <laughs> so, and on one of those occasions, one of those four occasions, I was. I didn't see any problem with it, <laughs> but uh, but for some reason, the police, they did. I, I don't know quite how, but they did.
0: Well, it, it is unsettling. And in, in a way, maybe it will be for a blessing because, by virtue of your having this experience, it really does give people in the UK the opportunity to consider what this bill would permit to happen, mm-hmm. including people, uh, you know, uh, much less clerics, but really anyone being mm-hmm. interrogated about about their theology. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and and about the thoughts in their heads. I mean, it's absolutely as as dystopian as you could possibly imagine. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for having this conversation with me and answering these questions that have been on my mind. And and I think people who who watch our program and listen to the podcast will find it interesting. Especially, I I have had it had um, um, at least one other UK. Uh, censorship guest on um, Count Dankula, who is not exactly going to be mistaken for a Catholic priest, but <laughs> his story is nonetheless one that I think you know American audiences found interesting because these he was arrested for the for for, for, for making a, a a video in which he taught a dog how to do a Hitler salute. Yeah. Okay, and you know i'm no fan of hitler salutes but i'm not afraid of of saluting dogs uh you know that's the american attitude to these things thanks again for coming on to the show and uh, i wish you all the best in in your future endeavors and stay out of trouble
1: (laughs) i'll try my best (laughs) thanks again
0: thanks for having me on good night good night hey thank you for listening to the coleman nation podcast